Hi, I'm Pastor Kyle Carlson, and you're listening to a message from Imprint Community Church in Northeast Baltimore. I pray that this message will encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Visit us online at imprintcommunity.org and worship with us in person on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Seven Oaks Elementary School. Enjoy the message. Let me invite you to turn in uh, your copy of God's Word to the book of 3 John. 3 John, not to be confused with the Gospel of John. It is almost at the very end of the Bible. One of these very short one-chapter letters just before the book of Revelation. So if you're uh, trying to navigate there, hopefully those directions will help you. Toward the back of the Bible, the, the letter of 3 John. You know, I, one of the things that... that Carrie mentioned in her prayer earlier is that um, the opportunity to be a sending church, a church that uh, engages in uh, in world mission, uh, has been something of our uh, heartbeat from the beginning uh, of Imprint, and it, it's it's one of those things that feels much bigger than us. It is much bigger than us. Um, we're a small church, a fledgling church. You know, we've only been around a couple, a few years, and. Um, we got questions about our own sort of, you know, resources and how could we possibly really make a difference uh, in sort of the worldwide uh, cause of Christ. And yet God in his wisdom and his providence and his goodness and in his commitment to his glory and making the name of Jesus known, uh, he has uh, seen fit to raise up uh, the Christ family uh, in this way and allow, allow our church to play this, uh, this role um, kind of standing alongside them and, and sending them out and uh, holding the rope, if you will, uh, while they go down uh, into the pit uh, for the cause of Christ. And so uh, grateful for, for that opportunity. And uh, as we look uh, at the, the letter of Third John here, I think there's, uh, it, this helps us to answer some of those questions about um, why is this such a big deal? Like, why is it so important that a local church like ours invest in and engage in the cause of global missions and uh, what are some of the things that we should keep in mind as we do that. And so this letter of 3 John, uh, John the Apostle, John who wrote the gospel uh, account of Jesus' life and also he wrote the Revelation uh, that closes the New Testament. Uh, He has written this letter uh, to, he says in verse 1 there, my beloved Gaius. So this is a man from another church, uh, and he's writing to him about their common support of some uh, itinerant missionaries, some people who are going out for the cause of Christ to spread the gospel. And so uh, I'm going to read for us verses 1 through 8 of this letter. Uh, and then we'll uh, draw out some, some implications about what it means for a local church in the supporting of uh, missionaries and engagement in global missions. So let me read beginning of verse 1 all the way down through verse 8. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, 
that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So we see here John uh, addressing this man Gaius, uh, his, uh, a friend and a disciple of his probably. He calls him uh, my, the beloved Gaius. And he says in verse 4 that he has no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And we don't think that Gaius is literally a child of John. We think in a spiritual sense. John has invested in him. Perhaps he led Gaius to faith in Christ uh, at some point, And he's trained him perhaps in the faith and in the ministry. So now Gaius is a leader in another congregation. And so John is written to him um, because apparently John has sent some missionaries that are going out from his own congregation. John is a pastor in Ephesus at this time. And so he's sending out some missionaries from his own church. And he has sent these brothers to Gaius's church to sort of present them as, uh, as missionaries and invite their care and their involvement and their support for their ministry. And so these missionaries, whom he calls brothers several times in this passage, have gone to Gaius's church and made their uh, presentation or whatever about what they were going to do. Uh, and then they've returned to John. And the report that they brought to John is very favorable. And so John uh, observed several things about Gaius uh, that he learned from uh, these missionaries, the brothers that came. And said he rejoiced, this is verse 3, I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. So in other words, these missionaries that were going out from John's church were encouraged by the way that Gaius and his congregation are faithfully living out their faith and, and proclaiming the gospel. And so uh, when he says that they, 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 they testify to your truth, and then he says that he has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth, I think he's referring here to faithfulness to the gospel. I, I have no greater joy than to know that those people and those churches that I've invested in and trained and taught and led are remaining faithful to the truth of the gospel, not being led astray by various errors and things. And so he's got this testimony from the missionaries from John's church that the ministry is going well in Gaius's church. And so then he begins to address him specifically about these missionaries and the work that they're doing and how Gaius's church is apparently coming alongside them to support. And so five uh, truths uh, or implications that we can draw out from uh, this portion of the letter uh, really, verses 5 through 8 is where most of this all comes from. The first implication is simply this. A church should support missionaries. A church should support missionaries. That might sound like it should go without saying, but I think there's plenty of churches that probably uh, are not really being as faithful as they ought to be in this regard. Plenty of churches, probably in situations like ours, where we think, well, there's not much that we can do. We send money to the denomination. Isn't that enough? Right? So there's probably plenty of, of ways for churches to get sidetracked or so busy with what they're doing that the task of global missions just sort of falls through the cracks. Right? Well, that's, that ought not be so. A local church should support missionaries. Look at verse 5 there. He tells Gaius that it is a faithful thing that you do in your efforts for these brothers, these brothers being the missionaries who are going out with the gospel. He calls it a faithful thing. Down in verse 8, he says, therefore, we ought to support people like these. It is a basic aspect of a true church. If a church believes the gospel and loves the God of the gospel, it will be committed to mobilizing the gospel to those who haven't heard it. Locally and globally, 
This is an aspect of what it means to be a church of Jesus Christ. Gaius is doing a faithful thing in supporting these brothers, and we ought to support these brothers. And if you think about that language, John couches it in as a moral imperative. To say that we ought to support them is to say it is right to support them, and by implication, it would be wrong not to support them. So if a church is not engaged in supporting the work of faithful missionaries who are carrying the gospel, uh, they are not obeying Jesus and his commission. It's really that simple. Uh, Andy Johnson has a little book called Missions. How It's about how the local church specifically engages in the task of missions. Extremely helpful little book. He says, a desire to support the spread of the gospel to those who have not heard is a normal part of basic Christian health. So, as individual followers of Jesus and as a local church, a commitment to the global spread of the gospel to all peoples and nations and tribes is something that we must keep uh, close to our hearts and, uh, and to be engaged with if we hope to be a faithful church. Second implication, churches should cooperate in sending missionaries see this uh, in, in verse 3, you'll notice the missionaries under discussion here are not from Gaius's church, right? And, and John even says that they're strangers to him. He said in verse 5, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. So in other words, you didn't know these, these guys when they came to you. They were strangers to you. They're from another church, and we presume John's own congregation in Ephesus. Uh, and, and they've gone to Gaius's church in search of support. Right? So material, financial, and prayer support for their work. And that is what John calls faithful. He says it is a faithful thing that you ought to do, right? To not just support missions, but to actually partner with other like-minded, gospel-loving churches in the sending of missions. In other words, independent <laughs> local churches in different cities and regions ought to partner together in the sending and supporting of missionaries. If you think about it, in the first century, this kind of partnership was utterly essential for the spread of the gospel and the survival of the Christian faith. This was God's main strategy in getting the gospel out, was the scattering of Christians, organizing into local churches, and then partnering together their resources and their talents to get the gospel out to send people into other regions to share the gospel. They would share resources. They would support one another to faithfully carry out Christ's great commission. And in our own day, it makes sense. Multiple congregations can do more together for the spread of the gospel when they pool their resources than they each can on their own. That kind of taps into that question we ask ourselves as such a small and young church, what could we possibly do? Well, if we partner together with other congregations who care about the gospel and the spread of God's word throughout the world, there is a great amount that we can do by God's grace and empowered by his spirit. In fact, that's one of the main reasons for networks like the Southern Baptist Convention. It's why they exist to partner together and pool resources to help support and spread uh, the work of the gospel. <clears throat> So Imprint is honored and overjoyed to play uh, the important role of sort of home church and the financial collect, uh, collecting point uh, for the Christ's mission to Zambia. But do you know 
how many other gospel-loving congregations in our own region are participating in this endeavor? Uh, li- listen to this. This is I- I've been so encouraged by this. I even just looked through the list on our website, just our giving website, to see where the donations are coming from. So there's probably even more than this. Um, but this is what I was able to clearly and quickly discern just by looking at a list. These are other local churches, like churches that are collectively supporting the Chris, either in a one-time donation or an ongoing gift. Uh, Baltimore Bible Church in Catonsville, Calvary Baptist Church in Bel Air, Cheverly Baptist Church in Cheverly, Maryland, Cockeysville Baptist Church, Cornerstone Community Church in Joppa, Maryland, Faith Community Church in Gambrels, Maryland, First Baptist Church of Perryville, Grace Baptist Church in uh, Bowie, Maryland, Grace Way Church in Gwyn Oak, North Hartford Baptist Church in Jarrettsville, Refreshing Springs Baptist Church in Riverdale. These are churches that collectively have signed on to be a part of the support team and are giving financial resources to help the Christs accomplish the work that God's called them to do, as well as individuals who are members of multiple other churches, Haven City Church in Baltimore, uh, Middle River Baptist Church in Middle River, New Life Community Church in Kingsville. There are individuals from these churches, and there's a whole list of individuals that I'm not even sure what churches they're from, but I imagine they're from local, like-minded, gospel-loving churches who want to support the work that God is sending the Christs to do in Central Africa. These are just the ones that I know of by looking at a list made on our website, and, and a bunch of these individuals I don't even know. Uh, where they came from. I bet you Mike and Becky could tell you if you wanted to find out. But the point, no, he doesn't even know. I have no idea. So this is, a, this is a partnership. This is not merely one little local church kind of trying to send somebody out and hoping it works. This is, a, this is a collective. This is a partnership of like-minded, gospel-loving local churches and Christians from our own region who care about the spread of the gospel and have signed on to support Mike and Becky and their family as they leave with the gospel for Central Africa. It's amazing. This is the way that God intended it to be. Churches ought to cooperate with one another in the support of missionaries. Number three, a church should support the right missionaries or, and the right kinds of missions. This is a little bit of a bigger question. I don't want to open too much of a can of worms, but there are some things that are implied here about the kinds of people that we ought to be supporting. Look in verses 6 through 8. He says that they've testified uh, before our church of your love. Then he says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. That's a really important phrase. They've gone out for the sake of the name. Which name? The name of Christ. The name of God in Christ. They've gone out for the sake of the name. It says they have accepted nothing from the Gentiles. So meaning, as they're carrying the gospel to Gentile territory, right? Because this was you know, largely Jewish Christians kind of expanding here. Uh, they've made a point to not ask the people they're ministering to uh, or trying to bring the gospel to, to pay them. Right? In other words, they want to make sure that it doesn't look like I'm, I'm just doing the work of ministry just to sort of get financial gain from you. So as they're, they're doing their pioneering kind of missionary work, they're asking other Christians, other churches to support that work so that they don't have to, uh, to conflate the, the missionary work that they're doing with uh, receiving money from the Gentiles, it says, the, the non-Christians whom they're trying to reach. 
And therefore, we ought to support people like these. People who are passionate about the sake of the name of Christ and who are laboring faithfully and uh, at risk to themselves, honestly, by depending on the support of other Christians and other churches. There's broader things to say here about the kinds of missions that a local church ought to be uh, prioritizing and investing in. Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, kind of debate and conversation among Christians and churches about uh, so what kinds of work or organizations or people should we be sort of investing our money and our time in. And there's, all, there's any number, there's a great number of good causes, right? Lots of good things that people and organizations are doing around the world. There's all kinds of humanitarian aid and social development kind of organizations. And, and some people think it's good enough. Uh, to invest in these kind of social uh, good kinds of movements. Um, but there, there's, there's a prioritization. I think it's implied here to say that they're going out for the sake of the name um, and, um, and, and carrying the gospel here. There, there, there's, a, there's an implication that we should prioritize those who are doing the work particularly of planting churches and supporting pastors and, and strengthening local churches. So a lo- the local church is God's strategy for reaching the world with the gospel, not like uh, charitable organizations, right? The local church is God's plan. Charitable organizations are not bad. They can certainly play a supplemental role, but it's the church that is to carry the gospel. It's the church to whom Jesus gave the great commission. So as the church goes, we ought to be investing in beginning other churches and strengthening churches that exist. One of the great uh, tasks of uh, Central African Baptist College, where Mike is going to be on staff, is the, the training up of local pastors to plant churches and to pastor existing churches and to remain more faithful to God's word and to the carrying of the gospel in a place where there's lots of confusion about what the gospel is. The prosperity gospel is rampant there. Those who think that if I just believe in Jesus or say these certain kind of Bible-sounding prayers that God will just kind of grant me everything that I want and I'll get healthy and I'll get happy and I'll get rich. Um, that, that is rampant there. There's all manner of other things. Islam is, is a big influence there as well. Um, so local churches with, with pastors and leaders who are trained in the scriptures, able to handle God's word well and to proclaim the true gospel is the, the most important work that can be done. And churches ought to invest in this. Uh, Andy Johnson, again, uh, speaking about this kind of prioritization uh, and the importance of, uh, of keeping the gospel central to all that we do. He says, where people see the work of Christ as supremely valuable, missions becomes a glorious and sensible sacrifice. The glory of the gospel, not the neediness of mankind, is the self-sustaining fuel for global missions. Now, we ought to be compassionate toward people, right? We ought to, to feel for the suffering that people endure. But that in itself is not going to compel us, not in a long-lasting way, to carry the gospel and to endure the sacrifices and hardships that come along with global mission. There's got to be a deeper and a bigger fuel. And as Andy Johnson suggests here, that fuel is a love for Christ and his gospel. To see the glory of God as he's met our needs through Christ who paid for our sins, that become, the, the love of the gospel and seeing the glory of the gospel becomes the fuel by which we carry it to the world. 
Not just because we look at the plight and the suffering of people and we want to help meet their needs, but mainly we care about their eternal suffering. John Piper said, Christians care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering, else they have a defective heart or a flameless hell. So you either don't really care that people are going to suffer for eternity or your sort of understanding or belief about what happens in eternity uh, leaves out the room for God's judgment and, uh, and the reality of hell. So if we believe that those who are separated from Christ will spend eternity in torment in hell, then we ought to care about that suffering even more than we care about the suffering that we see around us in, this, in temporal ways, which is not to say we shouldn't care about those things and there aren't ways that we can contribute to that. But as churches, as a local church, we should prioritize work of the gospel that proclaims Christ crucified and raised for sinners and that plants churches and trains pastors. There's an African pastor in Kenya named Ken Mbugwa who says this, we are convinced that the only way to strengthen and establish the church in Africa is by equipping them with the scriptures. The church needs to be trained up in the words of life. Here's the mission of Central Africa Baptist College where Mike is going to serve. This is just from their website. This is why they exist. CABC serves local churches through the discipling and equipping of pastors, missionaries, educators, and trainers for gospel advancement across Africa. That's the main thing. And then it gives kind of a three-point strategy by providing a word-centered curriculum that is academically rigorous, internationally recognized, and culturally relevant, extensive ministry exposure and practical experience, and an environment of life-on-life discipleship and intentional mentoring relationships of example and accountability. But what this school is interested in is training church leaders and pastors to understand and, and, and handle God's word with care so that they can then teach their congregations and make disciples and so that the gospel that spreads from those churches throughout Central Africa is the true gospel and not a distortion of it. And so this is a noble work and I think we're, as a church, uh, we are very clearly and confidently able to see in Mike the gifting and the skills and the talent to contribute to that and to lead out in, in this seminary in their effort to do that. And so we ought to prioritize the right kinds of missions and the kind of missionaries, the kind of people that we know are going to labor faithfully for the sake of the name. And then these missionaries are to remain accountable in some sense to the local church. I think there's, there, this shows the importance even here of between the relationship of John and Gaius and these missionaries he's sending them out. That there's an implication of, of a continued relationship here. He knows of their needs. He knows what kind of men they are. And he is caring for them even as they go. So we ought to support the right kinds of missionaries. Number four, a church should support missionaries abundantly. Look at verse six. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of God. So they've only got one pair of clothes and they're hitchhiking their way across the nation trying to find some way to make a living. He says we ought to give them everything that they need. In Titus 3.13, Paul speaks of, uh, of a similar ministry to, to send them out seeing that they lack nothing. 
And that's a pretty good uh, statement or phrase to keep in mind as we're sending out missionaries. We ought to do so in a way that sees that they lack nothing. We're sending them out in a manner worthy of God himself, right? If we, if, if Jesus were to be among us physically and to say, I'm going to Zambia for missions, we probably wouldn't go, oh, well, good luck. I hope that works out. We would do everything we possibly could imagine to ga- gather resources and strength and encouragement and to send him on his way with our support. Obviously, that's not the reality. Jesus is sending people. Jesus is sending his people who love him and want to carry the gospel. So, we have to send them in a manner that's worthy of God. And again, the partnering of multiple churches together makes this support more feasible. Johnson suggests that it's much better for a church to support a smaller number of missionaries more substantially than to support a larger number of missionaries more meagerly. You know, so a church might say, uh, might be able to say, look, we support missionaries in 87 countries around the world. But the kind of support that that church is able to provide to that wide range and high number of ministries is likely paper thin and short lived. It's far better to invest more deeply in a few so that we can obey the call of God's word to send them in a manner worthy of God. And so, again, as 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 our own church here with the limited resources that we have, this, these partnerships are so important to make that, to make that a reality. And we've seen over the past year how God has answered prayers and, and raised up support and, and partnerships, even from unexpected places, right? Sometimes you're like, how did this person or this money or this resource even show up? That's how God answers those prayers so that we might send them out in a manner worthy of God. So we should support missionaries abundantly, not just so that we can check off a box and say, yeah, we, yeah, we care about missions. Look at, the, look at the things that we're doing. And the final, uh, the final thing that I want to point out here from these verses is this. Churches are fellow workers with missionaries. A local church should regard itself as a fellow worker with the missionaries that they send. There, that, we see that at verse 8. He says, therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. In our support of missionaries, we become partners with them in the work that they do. We are fellow workers in the fields where God has placed them for the gospel. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when your treasure, both financial resources and people that you love, Go to Kitwe, Zambia. Guess what? We have a new love for the people of Zambia and a keen interest in the work of the gospel in that region and the work that we do from afar in encouraging and supporting and providing and resourcing them is a partnership, a fellow labor for the gospel in that region. If we care more, we pray more. If we pray more, we're more attuned to see God answer those prayers. And the more we see God answering our prayers for the success of his workers in Zambia, the more we celebrate and worship God for his glorious grace. And on and on it goes. And so we are fellow workers, though we can't all physically relocate ourselves 
to Zambia, as the Christs go and as we support them and stay connected to them and pray for them and resource them, we are fellow laborers with them for the gospel in that part of the world. And this is the, 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 the beauty and the genius, if you will, of God's plan of sending out Christians from local churches all over the world to spread the gospel, to build churches, and to make disciples. After all, that's what it comes down to. Jesus' final commission to his disciples, we read in Matthew 28, words that you're very familiar with. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the commission, to go, to make disciples. And praise God, he didn't leave us on our own because he follows that up by saying, and lo, I am with you, even till the very end of the age. So as Mike and Becky and their family embark on this journey, this does not become out of sight, out of mind for Imprint Community Church. This is a part of us, an extension of our church family reaching out across the world into Central Africa, where we now have influence that we didn't used to have. God has granted us by this partnership, by this commissioning, an influence for the gospel and for Jesus Christ in a part of the world where we otherwise would not get to be. And so we praise God for his wisdom and for his grace in providing this opportunity. And we pray that we will be faithful as a sending church uh, to hold the rope for you as you go down into Zambia. Father, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the way that you've established the church and you've given her these marching orders Lord, to carry the gospel into all the world, to make disciples of all nations. Lord, please enlarge our hearts. Enlarge our hearts to care deeply about the glory of Jesus Christ among the nations. Teach us, burden us, compel us, Lord, to faithfully and diligently carry the gospel, whatever you call us. Lord, as the Christ family is on their way to this particular part of the world in Central Africa, Lord, we pray that our hearts would be expanded for this region. Lord, that our attention to the, the ministry and the work of, uh, of the college there and, and the churches there and, uh, and the dangers and challenges that accompany life and ministry in that area. Lord, we pray that our attention would grow, our, our care and energy for that would increase, Lord, that we might be diligent and faithful supporters and senders um, of your people. And so, Father, we pray for the success of the gospel, and we know that it will succeed. For you've promised, my word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. And so we thank you that even as the Christ family uh, embarks on this journey, Lord, and there are uncertainties and challenges and things that can't be foreseen, we know that the final result is glory for Jesus and joy for his people as you gather your sheep and build your church So, Father, help us to be faithful and diligent. Help us to be diligent and faithful with the gospel right where we are. Lord, help us to remain here in Northeast Baltimore and be active in carrying your word, spreading the good news that sinners can be brought near again to God through 
faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to do that by your power and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.